Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona. And, and the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest high certifications in town, you'll find hemp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Oh, there they go again. We already started with technical difficulties. Not my fault. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Woo-hoo! We have a special show today. All right, for the best day, it's January 15th. And I might just start the bells on you because we're just darn near to February. We know what that means. we got Valentine's Day. All the holidays kick in now. Now that you made it through the new year. Woo-hoo! Happy New Year. Somebody asked, when do we stop saying Happy New Year? I don't know. still sounds good to me. Maybe February. Someone said February. But it's just a nice thing to say. It can turn a grumpy person nice in a minute. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right. Well, we want to give a huge shout out to Dr. George Huggins, who's hanging out with us here this morning. Check out the show and shed some cannabis doctor light on everybody. So if you have questions out there, you can blog them, you can call them in, you can get, you can do anything you want pretty much these days. Uh, it's that way. All right. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday. Here we go. And a big shout out to the Silver Sister in Grand Island, New York, New York. Thank you for joining us this morning. Welcome, welcome. That's your other boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> Freelancing. Uh, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, January 15th. Um, lots going on in the weed world. 2020 is going to be a very interesting year. Yeah, uh, there are three initiatives already out there that we have already read um, on air. So I should probably label the shows and then you can find your way back to them and listen again. If you can get through my banter, I apologize. Uh, but they are available online, I'm sure. There, uh, there's the one from um, the patients. So it's kind of like there's there's like three separate initiatives out there. There's a patients initiative, a dispensary initiative, and a legislative initiative. Um, and we've read them all, and they're all very different. The patient initiative gives anybody 18 and older the right to grow, manufacture, produce, sell, uh, transport. Uh, what else they call, all sorts of things they called it, uh, but it gave you free reign uh, to do so 18 and over. It also gave uh, opportunity for business entrepreneurs to get into the cannabis game if that's what they feel they want to do, which is which is great. Uh, not so sure myself that it's going to fly with um, some of the people out there who think people should not use this until they're at least 21, because I don't know, 18 years old is. If you have that and you're at school, because there's still some 18-year-olds at school. So, Anyway, and then there's the one that was written by the dispensary, pretty much for the dispensaries. That's how I took it. Um, but this one is going to, oh, in the first one, the patient initiative, you can have 48 plants to grow. Uh, and you can have unlimited access to whatever cannabis you grow, so you can keep as much on hand as you need. The next one, the dispensary one, um, they're limited to, I don't know, six or 12 plants, but I also believe that the counties can put a nix on that one. So I'll read that again. Um, 
And then they're also limiting your medicine from two and a half ounces to one ounce of Gambu, and also taking away the amount of concentrates you can have, like five grams of concentrates in your possession at any one time. And then I believe it goes back to um, having felonies and jail time and things like that. Again, I'm reading all these again when I'm not on air so I can <laughs> not, you know, freak out all over you guys. And then the legislative one is for um, Congress, so we just read all about that as well. And um, they're, I think they're limiting the plants as well as the medicine, which to me, limiting the medicine is just, that's really, that's painful for patients who um, who may not want to have deliveries. You know, some people don't want people delivering this in their neighborhoods, and that's fine. Some people live in gated communities, and the rest of the community doesn't want it delivered there, and that's fine. So for people that have to actually go or pay for a caregiver to go, that's, you know, that's first of all, caregivers are very expensive, which is just nonsense. They should have got rid of that uh, as well as the changes they just made to the program. Um, but if they have to go more often, then they're spending more on gas, on time, um, and just on the medicine itself. It's just pretty sad. And there are a lot of like stage four cancer patients out there who need, um, you know, high amounts of oils and concentrates to get them through their days. And if they're having to go, and if they're too sick, you know, again, if they're having to go every other day or, you know, every few days to get their medicine, that's not giving anybody time to heal and relax and um, so there's some things in, in all of these that um, you guys all need to read out there because that's the most important thing is to educate yourself about it. So what I'm doing right now is rereading them, and I'm going to find the top, you know, the top pros and cons for each of them, and then I'll let you know what I think. Uh, we want to give a shout-out to Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down. We're open seven days a week now. That's right. Sundays, too. Uh, for certifications, CBD, we do consultations, we do house calls, and we have two doctors during the week, Monday through Friday now, so we can get um, most everybody uh, evaluated and certified all in the same day. It's fantastic, so come on down. And if you're wondering uh, what conditions you can get your card for, uh, go to tumbleweedshealthcenter.com and check out the certification section. If you have PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy, HIV, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's disease, uh, cachexia, am I saying that right? Cachexia. Cachexia? All right. Uh, or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. And if you don't hear your ailment on this list, don't worry, because folks with fibromyalgia, migraines, um, leg spasms, tremors, Parkinson's, dementia, uh, all sorts of conditions qualify. You're eligible for a medical cannabis card if you suffer from a chronic or a debilitating disease or a medical condition or just a treatment for a chronic or debilitating disease or a medical condition that causes any of the above conditions and more. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email THCTucson at gmail.com. Uh, you can get to us on the website. You can. There's a little form down there at the bottom. You can fill out and send us all sorts of messages. We get some really encrypted messages through those forms. It's very strange. Um, and uh, you can just come on down. Like I said, we're open seven days a week. Also, we'd like to give a shout-out to Growers House, 3635 East 34th Street. All the growing accessories you need to grow anything. It's getting that time. People are planting already and got some black-eyed peas in the ground already. <laughs> also, if you're into lettuce, um, a little bit of uh, fertilizer, lettuce grows spectacularly out here. You see those community gardens around. The lettuce is always like, it's huge. 
Um, and we want to give a shout out to, oh, so you can get to Growers House at growershouse.com or 3635 East 34th Street right here in Tucson. Huge new warehouse. We want to give another shout out to Canna Health Online Digital Magazine. You do not have to go anywhere but where you are to hear or listen. I think you can probably get it read to you. I don't know, maybe, but you can read it online. <laughs> Canna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. Yeah, they've got some really great um, articles on there, so check them out. Uh, I want to read to you, um, the. it's from azmarijuana.com about the bills that are filed for 2020. Uh, so here it says, uh, Arizona already has six medical marijuana-related bills filed by lawmakers to kick off the state's 2020 legislative session. Of the bills, these are the ones that would directly affect Arizona medical marijuana patients. HB 2178. This bill would allow the state to expunge and erase the records of those arrested for marijuana possession. Amen. In part, it reads, quote, the court shall expunge the record of a person's arrest, conviction, and sentence for possessing marijuana in violation of Section 133405, subsection A, paragraph 1A. Person who, uh, whose record is expunged shall be treated in all aspects, or in all respects, as if the person was never arrested, convicted, or sentenced. Wow, that's really interesting. Within one year after the effective date of this section, all law enforcement agencies in the state and the clerk of court in each county shall identify and destroy all records in the identities uh, in the entity's possession or control that are related to a person's arrest, conviction, and sentence for possessing marijuana in violation of Section 133405, Subsection A, Paragraph 1. Well, there you go. That's Illinois just spent how many thousands? Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Like There's 40? over 100. <clears throat> there are over 100,000 people <clears throat> that they suspect are eligible for this. Sure, after the first, was it like 40,000 yeah. that they, right. wow, yeah. Um, all right, here comes my favorite word. HB 2049 would add opioid use disorder, which is good. Yes. Uh, opioid use disorder <clears throat> and autism spectrum disorder, ASD to Arizona's list of qualifying medical conditions. Boy, that first one, opioid use disorder, that's, that's, that should be mandatory. I mean, that should be just on the list anyway. And, you know, even if it's not on the list now, there are things that you can do to get your card if you're having challenges with opioids. Um, because a lot of the medications that you're on already are causing a lot of conditions, you know. Um, it says two years ago, <clears throat> Arizona's attempted to add ASD as a qualifying condition, but the Arizona Department of Health Services, ADHS, denied the petition due to lack of evidence that marijuana provides therapeutic benefits for ASD. However, earlier this year, a study found that cannabis can help children with ASD. There you have it. SB 1015, this bill would ban federally banned pesticides from being used to cultivate marijuana in Arizona. Amen. Jeez. Like that, that's another one. That people, human beings. Uh, this, in part it reads, quote, only pesticide products that are exempt from federal regulation under the minimum risk exemption regulations in 40 Code of Federal Regulations Section 152.25F may be used in cultivating marijuana for medical use. Because we saw major recalls from Colorado and other states where they used um, chemicals and pesticides that when people were smoking them, when you heated them, they turned into some, um, some they had some crazy after effects that, you know, they didn't realize that, you know, when they were heating these things, that these byproducts and these effects would happen to people. So that's a good thing. It's a, And our dispensaries now have to start testing uh, later this year. They It's mandatory testing. Um, so all their medications is, is supposed to be tested. 
2173, this bill would add electronic smoking devices such as vaporizers to the smoke-free Arizona, Arizona Act, which would ban vaporizers from indoor use just like cigarettes. HB 2173 in part says that it would regulate, quote, any device that may be used to deliver an aerosolized or vaporized substance to the person who, ina who inhales from the device, including an e-cigarette, e-cigar, e-pipe, vape pen, or e-hookah. Um, <clears throat> and you can view all the marijuana bills in the Arizona legislature uh, here. And I never knew there was an e-hookah. Come on. That's gonna be like a huge change of like, it must be like an octopus, all you're trying to get around. Everyone hook up, maybe when you ride the bus. <laughs> maybe when you're riding buses that happens. All right, well, most important thing is to, um, is to vote, but even more important than that, know what you're voting on. Because people are out there, they're, at farmers markets, they're on street corners and they're trying to get you to sign these initiatives and they're only telling you a little bit about it. They're not telling you the whole thing. By law, I think they have 150 to 200 words that they can use, but it doesn't have to be, you know, why would you pick any of the body of the text that doesn't sound good, right? So you're going to say, you're going to have grow rights, but you're not going to see in there that, well, each of these counties that you live in have the rights to say, no, you don't have grow rights. So please read these things folks all right well we want to give a huge giant thank you and shout out to dr george huggins for making his way down the mountain here this morning to come be with us in his nifty little tumbleweeds jacket <laughs> it's cold out there thank you for being here dr george oh you're welcome uh why don't you well dr george is uh was director of OBGYN at johns hopkins for 30 years why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then how you kind of made your way into the weed world. <laughs> well, thank you, Kim. <clears throat> Just as a bit of an introduction, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist. Uh, practiced for more than 50 years. Uh, about 30 of those years, I was at uh, the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore. And before that, I was... <clears throat> at uh, the University of Pennsylvania. Prior to that, I was in the United States Navy during the Vietnam War. While I was at Hopkins, um, we had the largest program in the country carrying, it was a comprehensive program with psychiatry, uh, drug treatment, and pediatrics to care for women who were pregnant and who were addicted. <clears throat> So that uh, during the 10 years or so I was director of that program, we took care of about 200 patients a year. What were they addicted to? They were <clears throat> addicted primarily to morphine, mm -hmm. but um, more than half of them were polysubstance ab abusers. The, the morphine, Multiple. cocaine, oh boy. Uh, anything they could get their hands on. Actually, in Baltimore at that time, there was not a whole lot of marijuana, so <laughs> so <laughs> it was yeah, it was primarily uh, opioids uh, oh. and morphine and and crack. Oh God! Um, so <clears throat> one of the things that <clears throat> that was um, really about 20 years ago, and one of the debates that we were having at that time <clears throat> was whether or not morphine use in pregnant women had an effect on fetal brain development and the subsequent um, maturation of the infant and children's brains. <clears throat> the techniques that we had to study this question were really very rudimentary and we didn't have any answers. Hmm. Uh, I do remember <clears throat> some of the more um, people who were uh, dealing with uh, managing withdrawal symptoms uh, saying, well, it's certainly not going to be good, but we don't have any evidence that it's really bad. Hmm. Now, fortunately, uh, just in the last four or five years, the MRI imaging, brain imaging techniques that have been developed have 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 really 
um, exploded in their ability to um, detect uh, minor and major changes in, in activity in the brain. You can actually photograph uh, the brain working wow. uh, in Technicolor. Wow. And, uh, like as it's being formed? Yes. Wow. And likewise, you can do studies uh, beforehand uh, <clears throat> with the MRI and then give the, uh, patients medications. In this case, it would be the opioids, mm -hmm. and then watch the brain react oh, to, uh, to these, and there's significant changes. The d most distressing thing <clears throat> is that in multiple animal models and <clears throat> in um, adults who are chronic opioid users and addicted to, uh, to uh, any of the opioids, there is a significant loss of brain volume uh, like that, that you can see on the MRI. You can see that the brain is actually shriveling up, so to speak. So you're losing actual brain tissue as well as certain uh, essential functions um, that that we all that we all know about. So <clears throat> today this is particularly germane uh, because of the opioid epidemic in the country. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how do you deal with the with somebody who is especially somebody pregnant? who is on opioids? Well, there are two methods. One is what we call a medically assisted withdrawal. Uh, it sounds um, like a good compromise. I've never been convinced that uh, it was as helpful as, as the proponents seem to think. And the reason for that is the medications that we use to get people off the opioids are <clears throat> um, buprenorphine uh, and methadone. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with both of these medications uh, is that <clears throat> they cross the blood-brain barrier uh, in, the, in the mom very easily, and they also cross the placenta and get into the fetus and cross the fetal, fetal blood-brain <laughs> barrier. And many of these babies, <clears throat> over half of them, uh, when they're born, are addicted yeah. to not the opioids, but to buprenorphine and methadone because right. they're in the same they're in the same category. And some of these children stay in the neonatal intensive care units for weeks and and months while they're actually detoxified. Mm -hmm. uh, we we'll know probably in the next three to five years, uh, we'll have a much better idea of how much <clears throat> these medications are interfering with fetal uh, brain development. So a question, and maybe this is just obvious, but they're not breastfeeding at this point because the does the medicine go through? That's correct. You, you do okay. not want mothers who are on methadone or buprenorphine uh, to breastfeed because it's excreted in the breast milk. Okay. So <clears throat> the question that we have now with medical marijuana is <clears throat> with someone who is opioid dependent, um, there are a number of studies that have, have good suggestions, scientific suggestions that you can help patients taper off um, the opioid use with the use of marijuana. And what we don't know is, <clears throat> is the marijuana going to uh, produce the unknown, unwanted side effects in the babies that, uh, that methadone and buprenorphine do? We don't know the answer to that yet. Uh, but uh, with enough studies in a very short period of time, uh, we certainly will have a very good idea. Yeah. So, um, what kind of? So you've seen pregnant people though in your in your medical marijuana practice days. Yes. Um, and what 
what are the women coming to you for? What did they? The few patients that we've seen, and I I must say I've I've been uh, a little bit surprised at how few there have been, but the few patients that we have seen have primarily been patients that have had really uncontrolled nausea and vomiting. Uh, throughout the entire pregnancy. It's called hyperemesis gravidarum. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the last patient I saw was 30 weeks pregnant, and she'd been in a hospital four or five times, dehydrated and and really sick, which is very dangerous for the baby's uh, development. So in somebody like this that can't be controlled with... with, um, the usual antiemetics and the usual medical methods. Uh, the use of, of medical marijuana has proved to be um, very helpful. Um, and it's, when you try to evaluate the risk-benefit ratio, uh, the last thing that, that babies in, in utero need uh, is to be dehydrated because it's very damaging both to, to brain yeah. development and, and cardiac development wow. in the baby. So uh, the few patients that we've seen um, have found that the medical marijuana does help better than the standard medications that, it, that they'd been taking. Now, have you been able to follow up with any of these patients to see what happened after? Unfortunately, no. The way the system, as you know, the way the system is set up in the state, um, the the state has set up what I call a compartmentalized system. Mm -hmm. The physicians who do the evaluation for for certifications, by and large, are not physicians that are taking care of the patients. So Correct. we see them once a year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, once every two years now. And, and, yeah. Yeah, every two years now. Yeah. So and it, it's it's particularly frustrating for those of us that have been in practice and are used to following patients and taking care of uh, a number of their needs uh, to see somebody uh, once, evaluate them, do the counseling. Uh, and then not see them back for another year. It's really yeah. frustrating. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine as a doctor that would be. Um, I wonder, you know, just because people have this whole, you know, idea that, you know, marijuana is going to really mess up your cognitive development. And um, so I wonder if when babies were born, if they noticed anything different or if it was better for them to use the marijuana versus whatever medicine was out there because that could, you know, most likely transfer through to the baby. Yeah, there are very few studies, but what we do know yeah. is that um, <clears throat> if you had to choose between two awful things happening to a pregnant <laughs> woman, right? having her addicted to morphine, Right. or having her use cannabis. Uh, cannabis, Yeah, there's no question right. that the cannabis uh, is much less uh, disruptive to both both the mom and we think uh, also the baby than, than opioid use. Now, did you find, did were these patients repeat patients? So were you able to talk to some of these ladies that came back the following year? <clears throat> the, the pregnant patients... Or did they just kind of... The, the pregnant patients, we made a specific uh, attempt to have them call us. Yeah. Uh, and since I'm an obstetrician, uh, I apparently had a bit more credibility with the patients. And, and so <clears throat> I did get some feedback from, uh, from, uh, from the, the patients, let's say about half of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, would call back in, and of the ones that called back in, uh, almost everybody had some relief, not yeah. necessarily complete relief, but certainly some relief, and the interesting part about it was that I can't remember anybody that we put on marijuana uh, who was re-hospitalized. 
right. for the nausea. For the nausea. Yeah. So although it may not have been completely relieved, it relieved it enough so it kept him out of the hospital. Yeah, which is good because you get in the hospital and you get more drugs pumped in. That's right. Right? It's my worst nightmare is waking <laughs> up in the hospital. <laughs> uh, so in your career at Tumbleweeds, and we so dearly miss you there, tell, talk to us about um, what, what patients you did see other than, you know, pregnant women. You saw thousands of patients. Um, what was the most common reason? Well, interestingly, when, like, like almost all physicians that are in my generation, uh, we never had one lecture on marijuana. Mm -hmm. We never had any uh, textbook references to anything on marijuana. So that when I started working for tumbleweed, for tumbleweeds, even though I was a physician, I didn't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> starting not, over. Starting over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, one of the one of the most interesting and um, uh, satisfying things that we found uh, was when uh, the cannabidiol products became available. Yes. Um, because once they became available then we were able to <clears throat> offer some relief to a lot of patients, uh, not only pain patients, but patients that were having uh, anxiety attacks and sleep problems and uh, actual uh, chronic pain problems. Mm -hmm. uh, so that we were able to um, give them some relief uh, while they were waiting for their their card to, to be approved, and it's uh, it really is amazing how much the CBDs help so many different things. Um, one of the big problems <clears throat> at the federal level has, has been a lack of uh, federal funding for research mm -hmm. on not only marijuana but on CBDs. Uh, fortunately, this last year, there, there was enough subtle and not-so-subtle pressure <laughs> on the NIH that the NIH announced in the middle of September that they were making available $3 million for grants <clears throat> to nine medical centers across the country to study CBD for arthritis pain. Nice. And they really did, a, I think, a great job of, of funding uh, well-established research institutions. Uh, Emory University, uh, University of California, San Francisco, uh, Duke at Triangle Park, New York University School of Medicine, uh, University of Utah, Emory University in Atlanta, uh, all of these places now have not much, but some federal money, mm -hmm. uh, and we we will be getting within the next year uh, good information out of these out of these tertiary care centers on uh, on the effects of, of CBD on arthritis, which we really need. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a lot of our patients come in for that. I think one of the most important things to come out of that. Uh, those those grants for funding is is just that the government the federal government is saying okay go ahead you know check this out right they're giving us the okay to do it versus another country to to make their their medicines and such it's interesting probably the best <clears throat> research institute in the world uh, is located in Israel mm -hmm. uh, their their neurological research institute. Uh, publishes most of the cutting-edge uh, uh, data, especially in patients who are suffering uh, with chronic anxiety and PTSD because of all the Holocaust survivors. Oh my God, uh, and, yeah. And the PTSD rates in those people, as you would imagine, is just astronomical. And the 
results that, that have come out of some of those studies are very, very encouraging. Now, you've seen a lot of patients for the PTSD and, yes. and, and cannabis use. What do they report? Um, because I can't, you know, we have, and it's not just veterans and people in the military. There are a lot of people on this planet that have suffered some serious emotional trauma. Um, so what, I know we get a lot of vets at Tumbleweed. Right. But what are some other common PTSD uh, situations that, that people come to you with? Well, fortunately, about two years ago, the federal government um, issued uh, a ruling uh, allowing the VA hospitals to refer patients uh, in states where medical marijuana was was legal. They have they allow the VA doctors to refer these patients out to a medical marijuana program now, and so yeah. we're getting many more uh, patients with with PTSD uh, veterans than than we used to have. I just a couple patients that I that I had uh, in the in the last year. <clears throat> One young man was a uh, was an an Air Force uh, medic <clears throat> and uh, had two or three tours in Afghanistan and came back with severe P PTSD. And his main problem was that every night <clears throat> when he went to bed, he would dream. And the dream was always the same, and, and the klaxons, the sirens would go off, and they'd rush out to the helicopter uh, to go pick up somebody who'd been wounded. And the helicopter would get up to about a thousand feet, and then it would turn on its side, and he would fall out. Oh. And oh my God. he wouldn't wouldn't wake up until he almost hit the ground. And this okay. happened every night of this. Was this life. something that happened to him in no. your life? No, it was just... Just a fear? It was a fear, I guess. And it was all those fears yep. built into this one dream. And fortunately, <clears throat> I was able... He was one of the few patients that I was able to get to come back and, and, and see me after we got him started because we had to adjust his dose uh, and, and the kinds of hybrids that, that he was getting. But within a period of about a month or month and a half, uh, the dreams went away completely. Yeah, uh, wow. And he was able to, came back, I saw him back in a year and he said, I'm back with my wife, uh, I had my kids back, I have a job, oh, uh, and I don't have nightmares. Right. Uh, that's pretty impressive. That's super impressive. impressive. Yeah, that's really impressive. It's life-changing, you know, these um, situations. And even if you're, you know, even if that wasn't a real something that happened in, in real life, your your mind manifests all your fears into one. And I'm sure he he probably saw something like that. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah. like after three tours, you've seen enough. You yeah. know, after one tour, you've probably seen enough. Um, and to allow your your mind, the ability to, you know, and sleep. You can't, I could imagine, you know, how hard it would have been to live with that. like a zombie. He hadn't had a yeah. night's sleep in, yeah. in four or five years. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so imagine what that does to your mood. Right. And your mood swings and your relationship and your kids. And, you know, they lose their dad, you know, and now they got their dad back because of cannabis. We interviewed um, Kyle Turley. I think he was from the Steelers. Uh, he's got a really great line of CBD products that we sell and use. Um, in fact, for my monthly cramps, I don't take any ibuprofen or anything anymore. I take these 50 milligram gel caps, two, sometimes three. And um, oh, Saints. <laughs> he was from the Saints, sorry. Oh, don't they all wear yellow, yellow and black? I mean, come on, it's all the same. Oh, green room, smoking bongs. Look at that, they can't even laugh all the way through. Come on, guys. Um, yeah, and he he got to a point uh, with, with the opioid use that he was ready to jump off a ledge, like literally. And he was like, holy bleep, you know, what am I doing? You know, like this, and it, and it affected his, his family, his wife and everything. And um, cannabis saved his life. And, 
he's got a really great product down at our shop. He's got gummy bears. Um, he's got gel caps, all sorts of stuff, juices, and they're really, really good. Now, you you mentioned something earlier that um, I know um, Silver Sister and I, uh, when we first started selling CBD, it, you kind of feel like a snake oil salesman in a sense. <laughs> it's like, hey, step right up. This works for your nose and your toes and everything in between, you know, and um, and it does, and it's because we have um, receptors all over our body for this. Yep. Is that correct? Tell, tell yes. us a little bit more about that, because people are so shocked that because some people are waiting in line for it to help their medics or migraines, and the next person's in line for arthritis, and the next person's in line for Crohn's, and the next person's in line for leg cramps. You know. Well, we we have found out that, among other things, there are two very specific um, receptors for um, <clears throat> for most of the compounds in the in the marijuana plant. One, one receptor is called CB1 and the second receptor is CB2. Now <clears throat> as it turns out the THC binds to the CB1 receptors. Uh, and the C CBD binds to the CB2 receptors. There are <clears throat> several companies now that are <clears throat> investigating um, derivatives of CBD in <clears throat> Crohn's disease and in uh, patients that have chronic abdominal pain. Uh, secondary to uh, to uh, not only Crohn's but irritable irritable bowel syndrome. IBS, that's a big one. Yeah, a lot of those really patients. Is. Yeah. And the preliminary uh, studies. Uh, the name of the company is Arena, like a football arena, <laughs> and they're based in uh, they're based in San Diego. Uh, they have a, have several international studies going on right now. Um, looking at, at patients that have Crohn's that have um, uh, bleeding, uh, rectal bleeding, and and ulcers that have been proven with the uh, with scoping them, and uh, within a 12-week period of time uh, with with this synthetic CBD product that they're studying, uh, over half the patients had um, complete healing of the ulcers, and 90-some percent of the patients within three months had some, if not total, relief of the pain. Uh, this, <clears throat> these studies are far enough along that they, if the if the data continue to be this strong, um, I suspect that these drugs will be approved within the next year or two. Yeah. What synthetic CBD? It, it's a, a chemical. It's a chemical, yes. Hmm. Um, it, <clears throat> the, uh, yeah, why synthetic? That's what I just got a question well, from our... The question, that, why synthetic? Yeah. If they did the study with just pure CBD and they showed that it was effective, uh, you can't you can't patent that. Well, because the government already has patent CBD, right. yeah. and so so oh. they money they, they're not going to spend several million dollars doing studies to show that CBD pure CBD works because, because they got they can't benefit they from can't it. make any money right of course of course yeah well at least they're seeing yes good results. You know, and hopefully, and for for our patient population, the the huge benefit is, <clears throat> even though it's a derivative of CBD, we we are getting more and more inf scientific information that shows that these these compounds and the concept uh, works. Right. And once we know that, then then we can use the CBD. Uh, 
products with a lot more reassurance mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that a it works and b uh, that we're we'll get a much better idea of the side effect profile which we don't really know anything significant about right now we don't think there are any serious side effects uh, because we haven't seen them right but but there just aren't any studies to reassure us that right. that there aren't. We've we've had patients come in and that these are you know questions that are popping up for me that they're the same that are for the the patients and they wonder how CBD is going to interact with their other medications because right. we we tell people that you know cannabis, hemp, um, and CBD is just one of the cannabinoids that are in the plant. Um, it it has the ability to raise or lower blood pressure, yeah. um, may thin blood, um, and there are some other things that um, that popped up recently uh, when we were on a CBD panel uh, last year. One of the um, panelists said that CBD could actually cause a buildup of other uh, medications in your yes. system. Some sort. Of, what is that about? Well, the because that's kind of concerning. Yes. Um, we are fairly certain that there, a, a significant part of the metabolism of CBD occurs in the liver. And CBD may be what we call an enzyme inducer. It causes the enzymes in the liver to become more active. Now, and not just the enzymes that that deal with the CBD, but enzymes that deal with other other uh, medications. Okay. So there have been some case reports of patients who have been on um, some of the blood thinners mm -hmm. that have had to increase the amount of their blood thinning medication after they've gone on CBD. But we don't have enough. Mean to prevent more thinning? Yes. Okay. So okay, so they we, already have. But okay. we don't have enough. We don't have enough studies to yeah. really to really say that there are right. case reports. Right. So it's like hopefully it's not a canary in the gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, canaries first. <laughs> oh well, that was supposed to be a laugh, but magic's good too. Um, yeah, it, because the, what what this person was saying was that you know the way it metabolizes in your, in your system it can um, interact with the enzymes in such a way that other medications can build up in your system yes. so they don't get processed through your liver like they're supposed to no or, there, or how? the there are two effects when the, some of the enzymes when when you when they're subjected to it and and an inducer, some of the enzymes slow down the metabolism of the medication. So oh, in those patients, okay. the, the, that medication may be may build up, and other yeah. and other en enzymes are associated with a breakdown of the medication. So if you rev up those enzymes, it breaks down the other medications faster. And so we don't know which. Enzymes, or we, we don't know. Well, and also we don't know what strains are being used out there. These are all probably hybrid strains um, that are coming in to these products. So, once we we know that strains affect everybody differently. Yep. You know, uh, just like eating an apple versus a banana, it's a different effect. <laughs> you know, different terpenes, different things. Yep. But some. Uh, I wonder if some different strains have attributes that um, would contribute to the enzyme um, metabolism. Or great, not. great question. We just don't have any don't have any studies. Well, right I now. think we're going to have to have a study. I agree. We need more of that NIH money. We need <laughs> right. <laughs> we need, we need to find that. We need a lot of studies. Uh, talk a little bit, if you would, about um, well. There's two big ones that um, we have about ten minutes left. Maybe we could get to one of them, but there's uh, Alzheimer's and cannabis and cancer in cannabis. Uh, in Alzheimer's, we know that cannabis helps eat the plaque away. 
Yes, there are there are some studies now, again using this these uh, very sophisticated MRI uh, evaluations that, and especially in we have many more animal studies. Uh, you you can take rats and get them to develop a an Alzheimer-like syndrome with plaques in the brain and whatnot. Hmm. Uh, and in some of the studies done with with patients that have been put on various strains of primarily THC, it does appear that it interferes with the amyloid uh, uh, buildup uh, okay. in the, in the rats. Huh. We are hoping that that same thing is happening in humans, but we can't prove it. Right. Now, what we do know, and you and I both know this because we've, we've done home visits for patients that have severe agitated Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the combination of THC and CBD uh, in the indica uh, category just works wonders in, in, in those particular patients to calm down all the, all the abusive behavior that, that they don't have any control over. Right. But it really does help with that. And what is it about, um, it, because that's one of the, the ailments that the state approves, agitation of Alzheimer's. What, what is it that makes people start getting agitated and, and acting out? Well, I'm an obstetrician, not okay. a neurologist. <laughs> However, it, part of what happens in any cognitive decline, disorder, especially with Alzheimer's, is that the neurons, I guess the easiest way to understand it, I say the neurons get agitated. And they mm -hmm. start firing okay. uh, out of sequence and and rapidly and in different areas of the brain, and you just have this over, the the centers that have this explosive behavior, aggressive behavior. Right. Those areas, those neurons are just firing, 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 uh, and the the marijuana tamps down hmm. uh, that that neural activity. Wow, that's really amazing. And yeah, I would imagine that the indica would be really good for that because it's very calming. Yes. Yeah. It's a very, I don't want to say depressing, but it's a very, it subdues things that need to be subdued. <laughs> In the uh, nursing homes, <laughs> the, the nurses like it because it quiets down the nursing home at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine they could probably use a little bit of that during the day, too. <laughs> um, there's a great video I'm still trying to get uploaded to our website about. Uh, uh, a skilled nursing home uh, for Alzheimer's and dementia patients, and one of their nurses got a hold of the, um, well, you know, what's termed Rick Simpson oil, but it's the full cannabis extract, and um, she started administering that to patients just in the tiniest amount, mm -hmm. and with, you know, within a 12 to 24 hour time frame, they were seeing huge results, yep. really big results. I mean, and that fast. Um, and patients were remembering their own names, their family names. They were calmer. You know, they would eat. They'd get up and ex walk around, get out of their chairs. Um, so, it, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting time right now to be studying cannabis because of, uh, you know, the medical things that it's doing for everybody. This planet could use a little calming down of its own. It <laughs> could use a giant bong hit for the planet. <laughs> um, we have about five minutes left here, um, and just touching on um, cancer, just I guess real quickly, what have you seen as far as cancer in patients with cannabis in their treatment? Well, as you know, because you've sent me several patients with cancer, I, I see probably two or three patients a year. They aren't very many. Uh, but I see two or three patients a year that have had different kinds of stage four 
which is cancer that spread mm-hmm. uh, of different of different kinds. One patient had lung cancer. One patient had pancreatic cancer. Mm. Uh, and <clears throat> patients who are stage four with both those diseases ought to be dead within a very short period of time, certainly within a year. Mm-hmm. And these patients that I've been seeing, um, maybe half a dozen all told, um, are long-term survivors uh, and uh, with different um, lesions. Uh, so we don't have any, I don't have a study of a dozen patients with, with lung cancer or right. a dozen patients with uh, pancreatic cancer, but I've got one here, one, one here and one there. Yeah. And uh, whether it's spontaneous remission or whether it's due to the medication, uh, they really don't care, and I don't really have, don't care because right. uh, the Rick's, they're taking the Rick Simpson oil, yeah. and that that disease is not progressing. So right, that's a gift. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a powerful gift, and hopefully, like you say, we're getting more studies out there in our own country. Israel's knocking them out the park <laughs> with their own studies. Dr. Raphael Meshulam is discovering more and more about the plant, which is really awesome. We, you know, we've used it for tens of thousands of years, but I don't know that, you know, who knows what kind of scientists and doctors they had back then. We don't know. They're not here now. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we'd like to say thank you to Dr. George Huggins for being here today. And um, we might just do this once a month, have a little doctor's conversation or figure something out where you guys can call in or blog in or uh, email us all your questions for Dr. George. And also, we want to give another shout-out to Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and get certified. Just come get some education. Uh, We do house calls. Uh, We have consultations. And hopefully soon, we'll be doing some in-house evening uh, Q&A lecture series kind of thing where you can come down to Tumbleweeds and just ask some questions of, of the doctor yourself. And uh, also, we'll give a shout-out to Grower's House at 3635 East 34th Street, right here in Tucson. Check them out at growershouse.com. And Canna Health Online Digital Magazine. Canna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals. Profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. Yep, and you can get there right from our website at tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. Check out the radio show and scroll down. You can listen live to our show. Uh, You can listen to past episodes. You can get the podcast on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts out there. And once again, if you want to know what conditions qualify you for a medical cannabis card in the state of Arizona, and hopefully those new conditions will get added, uh, PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy, uh, HIV, hep C, ALS, Crohn's, agitation of Alzheimer's disease, cachexia, or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. And don't worry, if you don't hear your particular ailment on the list, come on down. Um, We're sure there's probably some way we can help you out with that. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right, folks. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can also email THCTucson at gmail.com. You can get on the website at tumbleweedsellcenter.com and check it all out. We are halfway through January, basically to June, which means Christmas is around the corner. Get your gifts ready, guys. And remember, what are you getting your dealer this year for Christmas? Come on, folks. Share the love.
Get out there and get educated, guys. Read the initiatives. Don't just vote blindly because they're telling you what to vote for. Just read them up and get serious about it. It's coming. And the most important thing is to remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. We'll see you next week uh, with more news and information. And if you have any questions about the initiative, give a shout out. We'd love to hear from you. Have an awesome week, Day Wednesday, guys.